Welcome to the Exit Stage Left, the Berlin Youth Theatre 50th Year Oral History Project, funded by the Heritage Lottery. We're thrilled to take you on a journey through time as we celebrate the incredible legacy of Berlin Youth Theatre. In this special podcast series, we delve deep into the heart of BYT's rich history, revealing the stories, experiences and memories that have made this youth theatre an enduring force for the past five decades. Our second season is all about reflections, revelations and reminiscences. We'll be unlocking the vault of memories, anecdotes and tales shared by those who have graced BYT's stage and backstage, both young and old. These voices you'll hear aren't just storytellers, they're the key peers of living history, the very essence of what Berlin Youth Theatre has meant to the community over the years. From auditions that made hearts race, to backstage secrets that seldom left the dressing room, from the echoes of laughter during rehearsals, to standing ovations on opening nights, we're here to celebrate the magic of BYT. So sit back, relax, and get ready for an unforgettable journey through Berlin Youth Theatre's 50 years of captivating stories, all made possible by the generous support of the Heritage Lottery. Hello, I'm Fiona Hornby, Heritage Curator here at Burnley Youth Theatre, celebrating the 50th anniversary. And with me today, I've got Philip Hindle. That's right. Who's um, taking the time to share with us some of his memories. I'm wondering, do you remember how you first found out about Burnley Youth Theatre? Yes, I remember. I used to go to St Theodore's School and on the bus home there was a they used to advertise on little posters that they used to put on the bus windows. And it was 1984, and myself and my friend Adrian Sutcliffe um, used to catch a bus, and it was an advertisement for Peter Pan. Now, sadly, I didn't get chance to... Um, well, actually, going back even further, um, in 1982, I was in Fiddler on the Roof with Bernard Light Opera, and Adrian was there with me. And there was a girl called Anna Clarkson, and she was playing a role in Fiddler on the Roof. And she mentioned that uh, we should join the Burnley Theatre. Anyway, we didn't get round to it, but that's when I first heard of Burnley Theatre. And then jumped forward to 1984, uh, saw Peter Pan, which happens to be my, one of my favourite books. And uh, I thought, I must try and get to see it. Anyway, sadly, I didn't get to see that. But uh, on Tuesday, the 3rd of April, 1984... I came along to my first session because I knew they were doing Greece, and that was a summer production, uh, and that's and it was Adrian Sutley who was quite instrumental in in saying, "Come on, Philip, we better get going." And uh, and, and I was sort of putting it off because I was doing a school production at that time, and I remember him saying that the week after the school production had finished, he said, "Right, there's no excuse now." So my mother took us uh, to Venice Theatre, I think, in a little brown Ford Fiesta. And we trundled, trundled down the, the bumpy potholed road onto the site uh, to see the glorified scout hut or the shed, which was also the, the quarry theatre. And in we went, and my life has never been the same since. Wow. What do you mean by that? Your life has never been the same. Um, the Bernie Theatre opened up, well, for a start, it's. I've got a real sense of belonging here at Bernie Theatre. It's like a second home, and I've made 
many friends for life here and when I think about you know my address book and the people I hold dear quite a lot of them emanate from Burnley Theatre and uh, whether it's because we've been kindred spirits and whether that be the people that I you know first met in 1984 and used to be in productions with or whether that is people who later on have you know I, I've taught as a leader here and or a di directed here in various productions but you know they, they've kept in contact or you know give me a, a contact to me like years later and we've you know begun a friendship so yeah it, it's been instrumental in my life and when I think about the training I've had here it, it's it's fascinating that Burnley Theatre is a very nurturing environment and I, I was certainly nurtured uh, with some incredible uh, uh, leaders here uh, when I joined was Mick Dawson he was you know, I remember doing technical theatre workshops and an old reel-to-reel which is a wonderful experience uh, meeting Peter Edwards as well mm. around about that time as well um, Anthony Preston had just formed Lock, Stock and Barrel with his mates from Bretton Hall and they ended up moving on site and in the caravans and uh, which used to be on the site as well I don't know whether they were left over from the welfare state but uh, they were all um, they were there and I was in Jason and the Argonauts uh, after uh, Greece so uh, yeah so so they were inspiring people to know particularly Mick and uh, Peter but I must that though and I think in my professional life as well Anthony Preston God bless him was the first person to ever give me paid work within the arts and I've never forgotten that and I've always when I've, I've always tried to help people through and I've always thought you know paying it forward like Anthony was so kind with me so yeah it, it, and without really you know had I not been here I wouldn't have had these opportunities and now I have the opportunities to hopefully help and nurture uh, the participants we have nowadays and I think about but also uh, that's very much in the um the artistic sense but mm. you know it, it would be remiss not to mention the incredible Moira Preston who did so much for the place and I know that when she was a financial director here you know she well she, she was a very modest and humble lady and who just got on with the job and it was only when she passed away that I actually realized how much she actually looked after me in the background mm. and it was Mandy Precious who sort of mentioned that you know she always was just keeping an eye on me, but never mentioned anything to me because that wasn't her style. But incredible, incredible people, yeah. So let me take you all the way back. Right. What was your first production that you were in? Well, see, that, well yes, it was, well, I started doing a series of workshops on Tuesdays. And then I remember Adrian saying to McDawson, I've got a friend here and he's keen on you know, being in the show and to which Mick was walking out of the old quarry theatre or out of the, the theatre bit into the foyer up the steps and they just said to tell him to come on Sunday or whenever it was and then I, so I appeared on Sunday and it was really nice because from Greece seemed to be a bit of a changing of the guard so there were, within Greece there was uh, Julie Cummings who'd been in quite a few of the uh, productions in the 70s and um, people like who else was in it? Oh, oh, Michael Palmer, um, Adrian, my mate, was there. Uh, Jane Lewis, uh, sadly no longer with us. She played Miss Lynch. Uh, who else was in that? Oh, uh, Martin Sharp, who's become a, 
a lifelong friend as well. Uh, yeah, and, and it, we just sort of got on very well. And I was playing the part of the bespectacled Eugene. And... There we go. A live recording. <laughs> and um, so I was playing the bespectacled bow-tie-wearing bow Eugene. And, uh, I remember, and that became a nickname for a, a short spell. And I remember some of the, the, the cast and some of my mates that I'd met through the workshops, like I think you know, Joanne Wright was there, possibly Joanne Whitaker. We decided to go um, onto Thompson's Boating Lake and you know, meet up on Saturday or something like that. And I thought, do you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm going to just dispel this image for a while. And I actually bought a pair of drainpipe trousers, a pair of white socks. <laughs> <laughs> trainers and uh, uh, and a sort of a, a four leather jacket type thing. I remember buying some chewing gum, and I can't normally stand chewing gum, but from the bus station, the old bus station, and uh, toddled there and uh, I went chewing gum, looking vaguely like a rocker, though probably rather a sad impression of a rocker. And oh. so <laughs> just trying to spell the Eugene thing, but I, I don't think I succeeded too well. But no, so that that was that, and it was. Uh, it, it was a lovely show, some you know, lovely memories where they got a, a real car. And Mick was, I mean, wonderfully mad and inventive. And he, uh, I think he, he took the engine out or he got the people at the scrap place to take the engine out. I don't know whether the light still worked. And he actually cut the top off the, the car and made it into just a, like a, an, an open convertible type thing. And uh, we had to push it on stage. It, it was it was great fun. It, it, yeah. Um, Oh yeah, and and who was um oh gosh, Julie Cummings was Cha Cha uh, who I had to dance with <laughs> at the uh, the high school hop. Yeah, it was it was really nice because I see people like Julie were there, Michael Burney were there, and I think that might have been Michael's last show because we did do Sweeney Todd together, but that was Hazen Ford Players and not Burnley Youth Theatre, and and that was at Townley High School, and the reason for that. I think it was that dear old Mr. McDawson fancied playing the part of Sweeney Todd, and he couldn't necessarily do that when it was Burnley Youth Theatre. Mm -hmm. So the Hazen Ford players were created or, or revived for one show only, and and that was fun. Um, <laughs> but uh, so it was quite nice to catch, say, Michael in that. But also, um, round about the same time, we used to do wonderful 24 hour improvised plays. So, in other words, you set off at whatever time, you know, at half seven at night. And you spontaneously improvised for 24 hours. Later on, it became where you were given a title. We had to write it and get the costumes, etc. And it was all for a far more formalised affair with the cast arriving in the morning after the sort of the adults and the volunteers had written it and sorted out the set during the night. But uh, that was great. But I remember meeting uh, David Smalley, who was in many, many shows. Once again, sadly, no longer with us. He married. In fact, it was a real pleasure to be invited to his wedding with Beverly Smalley, that's uh, Martin Sharp's sister. So it was really you know, nice, because David just struck me as a really lovely chap, and even now, you know, he, he's still remembered terribly fondly, mm -hmm. and sadly taken, you know, far too young. So, so it, uh, it, it was a really lovely time that 1984 was a sort of parting of the ways when some of the older members from the 70s left, mm -hmm. And yeah, and then it moved on. So yeah, so it was that. It a was bridge. that first mm. sort of. Well, I'm, I'm sure there were more, you know, like times yeah. before then. But but yeah. it did seem a, a bit of a, a parting of the ways, you know, just because people were going to college or 
university. I mean, at that point, Anthony had already left the Birmingham UCS and was studying at Bretton Hall, and he came back after Greece mm -hmm. with this company, Lock, Stock and Barrel, which was awful, which we actually did. Uh, so this is the second show I did. I think it was September-ish, um, 84, and we did that in repertory with an evening of song and dance, and that was quite entertaining because I, I had to dance in that, and I'm not <laughs> the strongest dancer. Uh, and I remember, we used to have the BYT Awards, which were, some, you know, best newcomer, best actress, best actor, etc. And there was some, I think I got best junior supporting actor, because at that particular point, there were the seniors and the juniors. And whilst I managed to be get into a senior production of Greece, I was also eligible to be in the junior production. So I played four roles in that. I played King Pelias, who sent Jason off on his quest, King Phineas. The blind man on the island with the harpies attacking him, um, a jailer, and uh, and a guard who was stabbed. And I, don't, I just thought I'd have a blood capsule in my mouth. And it was an, that was an outside production. We just had a, an outside space built for us, and uh, and that was rather entertaining. So lying dead when the rain was coming down because obviously we are in Burnley. So that, that was that was all good fun. <laughs> but I remember I certainly for the song and dance or an evening of song and dance that we did in rep. Uh, I, I remember getting apologist of the year because I didn't have my glasses on. I remember I had to go from upstage left down to downstage right, and there were strobes and and fog machines pumping out all sorts of stuff. And I just this is during a rehearsal, so I hasten to add. But I was saying, oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> and I stopped the rehearsal. Tell it what on earth are you doing? Um, I suppose it round about this time because whilst I'm, you know you introduced me as Philip, and I am Philip, Philip James mm -hmm. Indle. Um, Round about this time, uh, Joanne Wright gave me the name of Pip. She must have read Great Expectations. And uh, yes, it's dear, dear old uh, Joanne Wright who is responsible for me being Pip. And that sort of spread throughout. And now in some places I'm known entirely as Pip. It's quite interesting who refers to me as Philip and who refers to me as Pip. And I'm sure people refer to me others other things as well, but let's not get into that. <laughs> <laughs> Only good, I'm sure. Well. <laughs> <laughs> so... What was it? What kind of atmosphere was it? What kind of ethos? Um, do you know what? It, it, the ethos of Bernie Theatre hasn't changed. Uh, the freedom to express yourself in a safe environment. And yeah, yeah, it, it, that, it's lovely that even though people have come and gone, and certainly when it comes to you know, the ways of running an organisation and chaperones and all of the safeguarding that has been laid upon us from high above. Um, the the actual core of the youth theatre to, you know, creatively inspire young people has never changed, and just to be accepted and giving young people a voice, and that was always a fundamental thing. So when I joined um, that first summer, I became a member representative. I mean, since then it's changed, and we've got the youth board nowadays. But um, yeah, I, I became a member rep. And used to go to meetings with Joanne and Francis Kershaw and, and others. And uh, yeah, I, I, that was, um, it was quite nice to have that responsibility, you know, a say in the organisation, which was, you know, for a, I would have been 15, for a 15 year old lad who, you know, perhaps wasn't necessarily the most confident of people at that, you know, well, you know, it, I had never had that responsibility. So it was. Once again, another way of drawing me out of myself, giving me confidence, being aware of meetings, procedures, you know, what, what's what's an agenda. But now, you know, now I know. And, mm. Yeah, uh, finances as well. Uh, mm. all, all that sort of 
extra stuff. I mean, it's like it's like life. The more you put in, the more you get out. Mm -hmm. And so, as well as performing, you know, in my early days, I did the technical workshops, uh, and and even that, you know, last week I was um, normally I've sort of moved into directing nowadays, but we had a school production, and um, I was a stage manager, and some of the training that I'd learnt many many years ago uh, with Mick, uh, you know, just still rang true because. Well, you know, we, we don't, at the Burnley Youth Theatre, we don't talk down to our young people. You know, we, we, we sort of raise them up and say, inspire them, I said right at the beginning. Yeah. So, <clears throat> how, how quickly did you become so involved? You know, you said you, you came just with your friend at first. Yeah. Um, but you must have been quite heavily involved to be on the board. Yes, I mean, if I think that that was, so I would be doing the normal Tuesday night sessions, the the junior sessions, and, and involved with the senior show, and then, and of course, because it was nineteen eighty four, at uh, a controversial statement coming out now, but the new theatre was celebrating its tenth anniversary with Fibre Art Week which sadly wasn't the greatest thing, but it was about using different fibres and felt hats and things like that. Okay. And it wasn't really terribly well attended, if truth be told. Uh, but I think that's because at that particular point, it took the Youth Theatre's founding from when the Youth Theatre got its constitution in Easter of mm -hmm. 1984, rather than taking it from when the Interschools Drama Group formed it in, in around about September 72. Did I say 84 though? I meant 74, yeah. yeah. And then, uh, then, and it was running practically as Burnley Youth Theatre in 73, so I think that's why it's been slightly uh, retconned, I think mm -hmm. the uh, the term is, yeah. which, which is fine and dandy because if it was running as, as near as damage, you know, mm -hmm. and uh, it just got its constitution in uh, 74. Uh, so that's, uh, yeah, so, so that's, sorry. I've gone off a bit of a tangent there. So how quickly did they get involved? So that's right. Um, well, I suppose at the AGM, which was in June or July, I can't quite remember, they were after just people. And my mates were keen. You know, we came, the youth theatre was, a, when it came to participants, a smaller organisation. And, you, you, you know, you practically knew everyone who was like a junior member because there was only like one session a week, unlike nowadays when there are various sessions. And, if you, you know, if you're going on a, I don't know, on a, Thursday at 5.30, you're not going to see people on a Tuesday at half seven. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so that was, um, so I suppose it was more, I think mean, it still has a family feel now, but it's a very big family and you don't necessarily know all your all members your of the family. Yeah, 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 that's right. <laughs> uh, so I think just because my friends were involved, you know, Adrian was still there because Adrian was in Jason and the Argonauts. I think he left probably, I don't know, he probably left about 85 or something like that. By, then, by that time I'd made, once again, other lifelong friends mm -hmm. and uh, because they were getting involved and I, I got, I've always had a passion for theatre and it was just so nice and all aspects of theatre. Mm -hmm. So where, I suppose it was like a sponge thinking, well, I like perform, performing, I like, um, I do like uh, the idea of doing doing te technical stuff because at that point, you know, you, you could go up a ladder and change lights and things like that. You know, different days. And, and, and from that point of view, I mean, I can understand why they have these, you know, health and safety and all that business. But 
if I suppose it was you, you were given you seem to have more freedom mm. you know and, and people weren't sort of on tenter hooks if you were climbing a ladder because you were there and you were told that you know someone's going to foot the ladder or you know, it, it was yeah. improperly and, and I suppose there was more more responsibility given to the young people or more freedom to sort of do things which you might think nowadays would be a bit yeah, be a risky, yeah. Yeah. So, so that, and then the opportunity to have a, you know, to have a say in what the youth theatre does, because as a member representative, member rep, you went, you know, the groups and asked them how they thought the youth theatre uh, should develop, and, I, I, you know, I was all for telling that to the um, the management committee, as it then was, with dear old Ruth Pilling, who was our president, and we. we um, I mean, I don't know when she passed away, but she must be long gone, God bless her. Yeah, and um, it, it was a really interesting time. And at the man that management meeting, uh, I think it was Harold Robinson, I think might, um, he was a treasurer, because we were very much from like a, a society, I suppose like an arm drum society rather than a business, which is what, of course, we are now. And, uh, and he resigned without any warning, and at that point, Alan Dixon, uh, I said, a lovely man in the audience, was there with his daughter. So, because we had so the, at the AGM, there were the benches in the old, so the table set out on the stage in the old building, and then the member reps and the other sundry people were there, mm -hmm. sort of on on the seats. And uh, Alan volunteered to sort of take on the reins of um, of being the treasurer, which was amazing. And and through him, uh, Moira got involved because I I knew her as. as uh, a costume lady. She did, when I did Greece, she made me my wonderful pair of red uh, <laughs> uh, knee-length shorts for Eugene. So it was a oh, I looked a, a pretty <laughs> picture, I'm sure. So yeah, so that was yeah, and and then after that, now they did do a young director season, but I didn't do any directing as such until '96, from what I remember. So there's a bit of a jump there, and by that time. Uh, Mick had uh, moved on and it was Anthony running Burn the Youth Theatre and it had been Anthony with Gillian Longdon who was part of Lock, Stock and Barrel mm -hmm. Theatre Company and then uh, after she decided to move on it was Anthony and Heather Barclay who's now in South Africa okay. and then it became Anthony Preston and Nick Maynard and it was uh, once again I, I formed a great friendship with Nick and we both when when the opportunity arose to be in uh, to direct the school for scandal mm -hmm. uh, nick uh, and myself worked together and it was really nice to um assist him i, I think it was i can't remember the co-director and assistant director but anyway that was my first stab at directing which was once again i'd done various courses at the youth theater drum mm -hmm. and uh, once again nurturing and uh, you know the day you stop learning you the day you might as well give up and <laughs> So I, I'm very grateful for that experience as well. Uh, and in fact, some of the, in fact, only two weeks ago, because the youth theatre still has a training programme and we have a, uh, a, a young person on that programme. And I was giving her some advice that Nick Maynard had given me ooh, back in the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, and, 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 I, and I credited it, you know, and I thought, well, yeah, it, it, it still rings true. It, it's, uh, yeah, nurturing and helping uh, others that's what life's all about isn't it mm -hmm. definitely um do you have any favorite productions that you were in greece favorite characters? well greece will always be a special one because that was my first show and i, mm -hmm. I don't mind a good old musical 
I mentioned before that my, well, my favourite book is Peter Pan. And, and I also like uh, A Christmas Carol. Mm -hmm. And I always had a, 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 well, I've always wanted to play Ebenezer Scrooge and Captain Hook. And it just so happened that I think, uh, I think it was Anthony, he was sort of saying, um, you know, uh, are you going to audition for A Christmas Carol? And I thought, oh, that, you know, that sounds uh, a rather good idea. And, uh, and, and and I think he thought I was probably a strong contender for Scrooge. And I said, you know what, Anthony, you know, I will, uh, I'd really like to take part in that. I said, and you know what, Ebenezer Scrooge is one of the only characters I've ever really wanted to play. The other one is Captain Hook. And I said, well, it's funny you should say that. But in the mar in March of in the next year, we are doing it so... Within December of uh, 1992, I played Ebenezer Scrooge, Tick Box. And then in March of 1993, I played uh, Captain Hook, which was incredible, really. Uh, you know, you, you couldn't write that sort of stuff. So once again, two I never thought I'd end up playing those two characters. But the Vernier Theatre gave me the opportunity yeah. to do so. Yeah, and uh, I absolutely um, loved it. And I had... Uh, Yes, in fact, I even remember getting, uh, I think, Martine, Martine White, um, she provided one Captain Hook costume and the other one I got from Homburg's in Leeds. I took a, my little, and hold on, how did I get there? I must have, I must have been driven, yes, I was driving by then. But yes, so I uh, got my old car, drove over to Leeds, picked up a Captain Hook costume, and my father, he made a proper, proper hook. Um, yes, it was a proper metal hook. And it was because uh, I, I was very particular. I kept thinking about where on earth had the crocodile bitten off his right hand. Mm -hmm. And uh, because in the Disney cartoon, for the bizarre reason, he, he's hooked on his left hand. And I always, if ever I see Captain Hook, I think, oh, you know, it's his right hand that's off. And I thought, well, when he, how much dexterity will he have to move his, you know, is it just part of his hand cut off from, or eaten off from the palm? Or, and surely if it's his hand, that's your. Your, your, uh, yeah, your, yeah, your, your, um, wrist. your wrist, thank you very much, <laughs> yeah, right. biology, um, <laughs> yeah, that's your wrist gun, and so I actually, underneath it, there was um, part of a, a plastic Coke bottle, which we'd managed to uh, you know, cut off, we put some cloth around it, and so that formed like a sleeve, and that went up to sort of my elbow, and in, inside there was like a T-piece, which I held the, the hook to, and, and there was a sort of little metal sort of protection thing, which went over the, the cup, so if you imagine... A, it's very hard to describe it, but yeah, yeah. so a, 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 a Coke bottle with the, obviously the ends cut off, mm -hmm. that was a sleeve. Uh, on top of that, there was um, a, a leather material. Then on top of that was a the hook, which had a T-piece for me to hold on with my fingers. But on top of that, also welded onto the hook was a, a, a sort of, a, a, I suppose, a, a little guard. And that sort of went snug against the, the bottle. So, okay. I, and when I was fighting uh, Carl Fleming, who was Peter Pan, a couple of, a couple of and I learned to, obviously to fight because I'm right handed. So, I learned to fence with my left hand and with the wonderful rapiers that we had. And uh, sometimes when, he, when Pan got his rapier in my hook, sometimes you get sparks. It was really rather exciting. <laughs> yeah, so that was, that was that. So, yeah, certainly I'm very fond of Eugene. I, you know, but it was lovely to play Ebenezer Scrooge and also Captain Hook. I would say that, that I, I challenge you. I didn't necessarily think 
I would because I, I think somebody dropped out when they did Cabaret in the 90s and somebody was playing Ernst Ludwig who was the uh, the young Nazi party member uh, he, he uh, uh, they dropped out and uh, they said well, we're really desperate can you just step in I thought well, I'm getting a bit old for this youth theatre lot now but they said well, no, no go on we, we do need you so I thought well I'll do that and, and that was really rather fun because I thought well I can either go down the the route, you know, like monocles and dueling scars and all the rest of nasty Nazi. Or, actually, I thought, well, what is it really about? And the fact is, is that, you know, Nazis, or like people of any particular persuasion, or none at all, are of all colours and creeds, and I went out, uh, out of my way to make Ernst Ludwig an idealist and a really nice sort of chap. Obviously, his political yeah. views are somewhat flawed, but when he is punched by Clifford in the bar, uh, I, you know, it was, I, I wanted to play that. I was genuinely hurt and shocked because, you know, obviously, you know, as, as a Nazi, though, because your views of Jewish people, obviously, they're non-Aryan, aren't they? And so they're, they're, they're I suppose, or considered, I suppose, as, as vermin. And he couldn't understand why anyone would care for that. But that, that was just, yeah, it, it was really interesting. So I went out of my way. It seems really <laughs> Congress just saying that to play him as a really nice guy, even though the fact you know a complete fascist. Uh, but and I remember, I remember though the newspaper he was talking about being a, the nasty Nazi. And yes, the though I, I played him in, as an idealist. And I think the point is is that it's very easy to demonise people of political persuasions or even serial killers or killers or mm. people who are different. But the moment you start to sort of say, oh, they were a monster or, or they're, you know, they're inhuman, I think that defeats the object. And I think that we need to be careful about that mm -hmm. because the more you distance yourself, the more you realise actually that it can only take a change of situation and you might well become that that person capable of doing those things. Yeah. So, it's probably more dangerous, isn't it, to assume that, that something's obvious. Mm you know, in that situation, that obviously a skinhead, but yeah. somebody else could be just as just as nasty. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. yeah. And so that, that was my take on Earth. So that was an interesting, you know, a, a part that I just got <laughs> randomly because somebody had dropped out or couldn't make mm. it or something like that. So, yeah, that, that was, you know, I've, I haven't said that, though. I, you know, the, I, I have a love of Gilbert and Sullivan, and back in the day... The, you know, we did used to do musicals and, and a, well, the Pirates of Penzance is a comic opera. And I was given the opportunity of playing the Major General, which was, uh, that, and that was uh, performed at Townley High School because it was quite nice once again that when I joined the youth theatre, there was still that link to Townley High School as well. Mm. So whilst we were based here, you know, in the Quarry Theatre on Queen's Park Road, for any, any major, in inverted commas, productions, uh, they were still done at Townley, but after 86 and Blood Brothers, then things were performed here. And at that point, Burn the Mechanics opened. Mm -hmm. And we took, I think, our first show, oh, our first show at Burn the Mechanics, which I, 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 I did I help on? I, I was around, but I don't think I did that much. I might have just swanning around doing, you know, saying hello. But um, that, yeah, that was West Side Story in November, I suspect, 86, because the Mechanics opened at that time and then the following year I was in Bugsy Malone uh, at the mechanics and so 
uh, I, I suppose, and that led on. And because Anthony Preston worked at the mechanics, I suppose, that was also a way in there because he was a mm -hmm. community arts officer. And dear old Alan Datris, he was, uh, you know, in charge of things there. And he was instrumental in building, you know, years later, the, the Burnley Youth Theatre and where we are talking now, you know, the actual uh, permanent building. So it, it's a very, very small world. Uh, is, yeah, and, it, and, it's, and when I said it, you know, it's like a family. It is. And whilst, you know, Alan, God bless him, has been dead for many a year now. Mm. But, you know, I walk into the Alan Dutch's studio, you know, at the moment every Thursday because that's where my sessions are. And there's pictures there. And I always remember dear old Alan. And uh, I look up and I think of say, the, the lights at Jean Gorton. She left me. She passed away. She was a very keen and characterful um, volunteer and she left money for the lights so yeah it, it's yeah I think I probably call her Auntie Jean and and of course and then you think about uh, Gareth Davis who used to work here and there was Auntie Jean and Auntie Betty also sorry so uh, once again it's I, I'm if you want this chronologically I'm afraid I'm hop skipping and jumping decade to decade um, but yeah it, it's uh, yeah I'll let you watch your next question <laughs> so I'll just pause it there for a second. So Pip, um, you've obviously directed so many. Do you have a favourite thing to direct? Do you like devising? Do you like the the big Christmas shows? Um, I I generally just. Uh, like directing, you see, I'm, I'm very fond of the Water Babies, which um, I had the pleasure of writing with Jackie Riddell and directing at the Burnham Mechanics. That's very, uh, I'm very fond of that. But having said that, though, getting the chance to direct a Christmas Carol with Simon Robinson as Ebenezer Scrooge, that was a lovely uh, uh, time there. Working with Dave Stevenson on the lights and directing and adapting. Uh, Rapunzel, that was fun, because it's also been easy to give me the chance to write as well, so adapting scripts, uh, or uh, adapting stories, as I should say, or when it came to Pinocchio, that, that was um, a complete new adaptation where I, I just sort of thought, how are we going to make this work? I, I it's been really wonderful because the youth theatre budgets aren't, well... <laughs> They're not going to be like the RSC or anything like that or or any of the other local societies in Burnley, you know. It's, but because you generally have, you don't have much to work with financially wise, mm -hmm. um, you, you, it makes you think really creatively. And so if ever I'm adapting or writing or uh, directing something, I'll always go for, well, minimalistic and anything else is a bonus. I'll put my money in the costumes and uh, yeah, that that was yeah. I, I think that's it. it it's a, the, it's been lovely that I've had the chance to direct. But obviously, with the Christmas shows, I mean, it's nice to have a bit more money. And when we did um, Rumpel, uh, sorry, Rapunzel, uh, that that was great because we had a, a massive set, and then that moved in the interval to create the tower. So that, that was rather fun. But normally I always think of Shakespeare and Hamlet and, you know, the plays, the thing. 
and it's really the words and i'm always very keen you know, on your imaginary forces work give the audience let, let the audiences you know don't give them everything on a plate let them work a little bit and and if you do have the money then show the money that's a that that's what uh cubby broccoli the james bond producer i'm a james bond fan as well uh, <laughs> but yeah he said you know show your audience the money mm. and if the, if we do have money i like to show the audience whether that be through nice costumes or if i'm very fortunate nice costumes and set but it's always the costumes first because without the performers without the actors you don't really have much theater and i might somebody listening out there might say well beckett did plays with just things moving sets well yes i know but uh, we don't tend to do much beckett here uh, which is a bit of a shame really um yeah we, we have um so do i like i mean i love doing shakespeare and it was great fun to direct the scottish play uh, what else have I really enjoyed directing? Well, it was great to collaborate with my friend Steve Bryce. He's created some wonderful original scores for for Frankenstein, and uh, now that, because Nick Maynard he adapted Frankenstein back in the nineties. I directed it in the two thousand and sixteen ish, something like that. And uh, I looked at his script and he said, you know. I could, what I wanted with it so yeah I, I looked at that and then I just went on my own way and went closer to the novel Nick's I think was more mm. focused on the uh, Mary Shelley's Frankenstein the film um, yeah. uh, uh, you know and it, and it certainly worked very well it was really good but uh, I thought let's just just take it back to the book so that, that was rather fun and recently adapting the strange case of Dr Jekyll and Mr Hyde uh, so it's quite nice to do the old sort of gothic horrors mm. Was, uh, but having said that, in my in the past, I've I want to think about, I've not really done that many device pieces here at Birmingham Theatre. Um, but I, I don't mind device theatre. I suppose given a choice, I do quite like a nice text to mm. get my teeth into and to you know tear apart and just interpret as well. So yeah, um, once again, how would I manage to end up directing or writing? Or designing light, yeah. And the, I suppose that's the other good thing, though. I mentioned that the youth theatre doesn't tend to have much brass, but how wonderful that it's given me the opportunity to direct, be a technician, design lights. I've even done costume here, uh, design sound, operate lights and sound. Uh, you know, been sorting out costumes. Uh, I don't think I've done front of house here yet. Or not? Maybe I've volunteered back in the day, many many years ago. But it, it's been a wonderful opportunity, and I will always, always be thankful for what Bernie Theatre has given me. And on that note, we will end. That's perfect. Thank you so much. Thank you, Fiona.